Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturbins. And so it is Father's Day, and here we are. And Father's Day is difficult. I want, I've got an edge on, and it doesn't have to do so much with the events of this week, but I have an edge on. I've spent 40 years of ministry trying to preach to a place within church culture, ecclesiastical culture, if you will, and advocate and speak strongly that when you come into the kingdom, your spiritual gifts, which inform, in other words, being a pastor is a spiritual gift. It's a gift of Jesus, Uh, prophet, apostle, evangelist, elder, they're gifts just like other gifts, they're gifts. And what you learn about when you read the other spiritual gifts, gifts aren't restricted. In other words, we believe the, the, the one that jumps out for classical Pentecostals is speaking in tongues. And you understand that speaking in tongues is not restricted based on gender. Matter of fact, the opening of Acts 2 said, your young men will have visions, your old men will have dreams, your sons and daughters will prophesy. That is, young men and women will prophesy. And so I've spent 40 years preaching to that. And what I don't think I've done enough is to raise a standard in the face of a culture that has pushed back on men and and wanted to squash that. But beloved, please hear me. There is no reason to squash one designation that God intentionally created in order to elevate another. And I'm pleased, thrilled to say that I don't know a man in this church or a man that I've served with alongside for 20 years here that hasn't stood with me in, in, within the walls of the church defending, and I guess that's a good word, defending a place for women, young women in ministry. We've done that. But <clears throat> we stand in the face of a culture that wants to, you know, just beat down anything of masculinity, and we have a culture now, please hear me, that is just being flipped crazy because there's an absence of masculinity. And when I say that, I don't mean brash, rude, whatever, over the top. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about testosterone, muscle flexing, bullies. Or I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about men being celebrated for men. There's a difference between men and women. Great revelation, isn't it? There's a difference between fathers and mothers. So I just want to say, because we're celebrating one today, it doesn't mean we're diminishing another. Matter of fact, I wrote something to myself and a, a couple of brothers this week. And it is what I'm about to say is not to diminish the prayers or intercession of women in any way. Do not hear that. Everybody got that? Then say back to me, I got it. But I got to tell you, there's a moment when all hell is breaking loose and it's coming at you, you're exhausted. I've never felt more powerless and helpless as a father when I stood in that room this week. These words I'm about to offer are not me waving my own flag. My kids have said, you know, Dad, you're a hero bigger than life. You fix things and make things better. And and I do. I'm a fixer. You all know that whole story. I don't need to retell it again for the thousandth time. And thank God, God uses my weakness and and transforms it to a strength. But I've never felt more helpless as a father or a man than standing there, and I can't even say online, The words being cried gutturally by my daughter. Why? Daddy, can you fix it? I've never been more grateful to look over my shoulder, not just these men, but other brothers, and know that over my shoulder is a group of David's mighty men. Because the last thing hell wants to see is for brothers looking in the same direction with the same glaze in their eyes I have now, looking hell in the face and say, you will not win the day. You will not win the day. 
thankful for men and fathers. Again, I'm not diminishing women and mothers. You know that. Matter of fact, it's been a joke through the years. Comes Mother's Day, I encourage women and celebrate them. Then come Father's Day, I beat the stuffing out of them. And any man that's ever said that, I just look back at him and said, man up. God wired you to handle it, so handle it. I'm going to end with a little thing right here. I forgot my watch. Sorry about that. So that wasn't intentional. Maybe it was providential. But these brothers behind me, um, Corey and Matt, Johnny, Buck, and Steve, I've asked them to share with you, uh, and they each have about four or five minutes to do it. I'm not saying that to remind them. I'm saying for you to sit at ease because three out of the four of them, four out of the five of them are active preachers, okay? So we all know preachers, and point the finger at me, is to say you got four or five minutes. Uh, that's, a, that's a terribly restrictive thing, Drew, you know that? But these are great men of God right here. Uh, they cover a range and gamut generationally of, of young men and, and older warriors. Say amen, Pastor Steve. Amen. Hey, come on. I'll say amen with him. But uh, we asked them to tell us, tell us what thought, conviction, verse of Scripture got you from there to here and what it is that you would like to leave behind for your children to get from here to there. Okay? Everybody got that? What got them from there to here and what they want to leave behind to get their children and those behind from here to there. So that's what we're about to do. Uh, would you welcome first just a great young man who's grown up in this church. I wish you could talk to him every time he opens his mouth and talks to me in the last six months to a year. I just grin and smile and say, oh my goodness. I remember him when he was a child coming into adolescence, but uh, Corey is just an absolutely amazing young man of God. He and his wife, Victoria, work in children's ministry. They're raising their children to worship God. They're reaching out and adopting babies that, for whatever reason, other parents, mothers uh, felt that they could not. That's the kind of person. I won't get to talk that much at length or about each person, but we'll, we'll be here quite a long time. But would you just celebrate a great young father right now? Sorry, come to speak. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, most of these guys are pastors, but I have been in church under Pastor Tom since I was 14, so I know how to talk a little bit. Um, <laughs> And I really can't even sit down. Um, this was hard for me because I didn't even know where to start. Being a father to me is something I've wanted to do since I was in third grade. Um, I actually wrote a little letter to my dad in third grade saying I wanted to be a dad just like you. Um, but I remember as a kid... Always in our bathroom, we had a little little footprint thing. And probably, most of y'all have probably heard it. It's uh, very old-fashioned. Um, but it talks about a night, uh, a man had a dream of his life. And in each of those scenes, he noticed there was two sets of footprints. And one was made by him, and the other was made by the Lord. When the last scene of his life flashed before his eyes, he looked back at the footprints in the scene, and he noticed that, Many times along his path, there was only one foot of, uh, one foot of footprints. Sorry, That bothered him so much that he asked God, he said, uh, Lord, you said that I decided to follow you and you'd walk with me along the way, but I've noticed that during times of trouble, there's only one set of footprints. I don't understand why you left me when I need you the most. And the Lord, Lord answered and he said, My precious child, I love you and I would never leave you. During your times of trial, when you've seen only one footprint, set of footprints, that's when I was carrying you. See, some of us get so focused in where your walk is with God that you don't just open your heart and allow him to act in your life, that you question those things.
And that's something I am really working with my kids is that they will not question why there's not two sets of foot tracks because they know when there are times of sorrows and struggles that they won't do nothing but drop to their knees and say, Father, I give it all to you. I give the glory to you. So, you know, it's just like the other day Drew and I were talking about uh, after our cleansing stream class about how his boy Austin couldn't pick up the right lead. You remember? And he said, son, you're just not communicating it properly to your horse. You're not, you're not telling him, you know, and Austin was getting frustrated and irritated. And Drew told him, he said, uh, I guarantee you, if you go over and get on my horse, you'll pick up that right lead. And the reason why is because Drew has already been through that transition. He's already put in the time. He's already laid down the foundation and now Austin goes over there and gets on his horse and picks up the lead, just boom, like it was nothing. So what I'm leaving for you men is that how can you fully prepare your child or your children's children if you don't even have the proper and fully, the full body armor of God? So there's not a tomorrow, there's not the next day, there's not any other time but now. We need it now. We need men in here to step up. I mean, I'm, I'm the youngest man up here, but I'm 29 years old, and I've already figured it out. I'll, you younger generations, y'all got to figure it out quick, because I'm telling you, when you do, it's going to mess you up. I can't even, I do landscape for a living. I can't even mow half the time now, because I'm just bawling my eyes out listening to worship music, but... But if you, if you do not get fully equipped with your body of armor, you cannot, you cannot deliver and prepare your children or your children's children. So with that being said, um, Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Okay, I'm, when I was eight years old, my... My pops made some terrible choices. You know, he left my family. I still have a great relationship with him to the day, but you've got a father that's never left you. He's never left you. And he's never going to leave you. My second verse was Proverbs 22.6. You see, if I'm, if I'm laying a foundation... For my children, then my my legacy that I leave is simply nothing more than what God has in store for them. My job's done. I mean, you you lay the way and you make it you make it so much more at ease for them. I mean, if you don't prepare, if you don't prepare for a job or you don't prepare for something, when you get in the middle of it, it gets harder. You you're trying to figure it out as long as you go. So. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You see, the footprint of a father is in each and every single one of us. Whether you have kids or not, you have a father built in you. And until you open the doorway to allow it to come out by saying, you know, Lord, I'm here for you. Give it to me. Then... You just got to move forward. I mean, it's, gosh, I can't even, I can't, I could go on days. But anyways, I love you guys. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Pastor Matt. That was so good. So my favorite scripture um, as a father and as a husband is Ephesians five twenty two. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Just joking. Ha, 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 ha. Playing. Okay, for real. First Corinthians 4, 14 through 17. I did go there. Gosh, I'm trying to be serious now. Okay. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. Though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, 
who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere and in every church. Uh, so our kind of our assignment for this morning was to find the scripture that would get us from here to there. Transitioning in, I guess you could say, from immaturity to maturity, from boyhood to fatherhood. And um, the, the part of that scripture that really speaks to me that changed my life was the word uh, 10,000 instructors is actually translated as boy leaders, tutors. So what Paul is saying is, you know, there's, there's so many boy leaders around you, but you have not many fathers. So when I was looking over this, when I was, when I was praying, um, the, number, the number one thing that came into my mind, my heart was, um, as a son of God, we have to choose the right type and right kind of fathering. Meaning culture has enough fathers out there that are essentially trying to show us the way, but obviously it's the deceptive way. I've said this to my guys constantly that uh, the state of the church can be best reflected in the state of culture, and then the state of the church will be best reflected in the state of yours and my individual home. So if our homes are healthy, the church is going to be healthy, and if the church is healthy, then it should bleed over and it should make culture healthy. So essentially what, what I'm saying this morning is, is in order for us to take our stand as fathers, we need to have right types of fathers to model and to show us the way. And I, I thank God I came to this house 15 years ago because um, I met some fathers in here that showed me the way, showed me a higher way. I was raised in a, in a Christian home. I had an amazing father. He's, he's, he's looking at me right now and he showed me the way. He was an amazing father. But see, there's no perfect fathers in homes today. We all, we all have to grow up into fatherhood. We all have issues that, that God is constantly redeeming in our life. But what I've noticed about the church of Jesus Christ and what I noticed about this scripture, what Paul is trying to teach us is, is essentially we all have like gaps in our walls as fathers. And what God does is he sends us different spiritual fathers to bridge the gaps. He sends us different spiritual fathers to unlock keys of arrested development. Anytime God wants to change my life or transform my life, he sends an individual, he sends a father that has a key that can turn this place, this, this, this doorknob in my heart, and it's going to unlock places of arrested development. So anytime God wants to change a son or wants to change a daughter, he's going to send a mentor empowered by the Spirit with keys that are going to lock areas in our hearts that are going to cause us to be launched, to catapult, and to maturity. And, and, and the third thing that, that I love about this scripture is it, it shows us, I said before, the higher way. But what Paul says is he says, imitate me. I mean, that's a bold statement. I mean, I guess my question to, to you fathers is, is, could you say that to sons, spiritual sons, natural sons, in any given moment, whether you're in traffic, right? Whether you're behind somebody slow that doesn't go, you know, when the light turns green, or whether you're at a supermarket, or you're having a disagreement with your spouse, can you actually make that statement to the people around you, like, like you can imitate me any moment that you see me, at any different time in my life. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this because I got in trouble because Pastor Steve and I, we chose the same scripture, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about the son part of that. He's going to talk about the father part of that. But I can't help but think about Joel 2. And Luke kind of echoes Joel 2 and Acts 2 when he says, In the last days, God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And he says, Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. He says, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And I love that because in this house, what Pastor Tom teaches is, you know, you're never too young to see and you're never too old to dream. And what I've learned with that, what I've learned with going through these scriptures and, and, and seeing how they apply to my life is, is, is if the younger generation, if the Timothys in this house can get so connected to the older generations, to the fathers. And if we can say, hey, tell us your dreams, and we will see those come to pass. And I, and I believe that's the model that we need more of in the church is, 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 a, 
is a bridging and, and a yoking of the younger and the older generation. It's because we need both. We need both behind the pulpit. We need both leading worship. We need both serving. And we need both walking with us through life. Because, see, I can see, but if they can show us our dreams and we can actually see those come to pass, then the next generation is going to carry out the mantle of the former generation. And I'm telling you, that's how the world has changed, is when two generations unite. So that's my scripture, and that's what it means to me. Good grief, Matt. That's amazing. Um, I have to stand up because nine years ago, I was homeless in a parking lot reading a Bible. So for, for me, this is everything. Um, let's see, where to begin? Oh, I want to talk to you about my son, Jenner. So this right here is the table that my son pulled himself up on to be able to walk when he was a kid, okay? And he walked up to it, and he was crawling for a couple of weeks, right? And he walked up to it, he put his hand on this chair, and he pulled himself up, and he stood there. He had his binky in his mouth, and he would move around that chair, he'd suck on that binky. And he'd look, smile, he'd look and smile, and he'd suck on that binky. But in my mind, I'm sitting there going, that kid could walk any second. He's going to walk, watch. And sure enough, I watched him do this. He went. And he looked back at me, and I was like, you're going to walk, aren't you? You're going to walk, aren't you? So what he did was, he sat there, and looked at me for a second, he turned his head, he waited until I wasn't looking, and he let go. And when he let go, he said, huh. Huh. He took two steps. He looked over his shoulder. I'm scrambling, trying to find Taylor to get the phone to try to take pictures and stuff. And huh. he takes another step. Huh. 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 Looks back. Whoom! <laughs> hits the ground. You know what I didn't do? I didn't walk over to my son and go, you low down? No good. Piece of garbage. How dare you fall? I know you follow it. How dare you're a delashment. You gotta be better than that. I didn't do that. You know why? Because if I be an evil know how to give my know how to give my kids good gifts, how much more will my father in heaven give me the Holy Spirit if I just ask? Right? God is never He's never concerned with the fall. It's just where you go when you get back up. It doesn't matter how many times you fall or when you fall or how much you fall, it's just where do you go when you get back up, right? I'm not going to condemn my child. I'm not a greater father in heaven than, than he is, right? I'm not better than he is. So if you love your children, think about how much God loves you. Think about how much God loves your child. Think about these things because we'll condemn ourselves. You'll come against yourself. I do it all the time. Man, I yelled at my kid. I did this. I did that. And my father's like, relax. You just fail. You're talking to me now. Everything's okay. And I go right back to normal. But the, the other scripture that really stands out to me is in John 14, 8 and 9. Philip comes to Jesus and he says, show us the father. And Jesus says, Philip, have I been with you this whole time? And you don't know that when you've seen me, you've seen the father. Let me tell you something. That scripture right there has ignited my entire life. That I never viewed the Father as Jesus Christ. I just viewed him as this bully, this judge, that if I didn't receive Jesus, then I'm condemned. And God's saying, no, I am. This is who I am. This is who I am. This is my character. This is who I am. And see, I'm raising up children right now. God's blessed me with a five-fold ministry. I'm going to call it that. I'm just going to call it that. And I see it in my, I see it. I've got a builder in Porter. I've got a prophet in, in Hudson. I've, I've got a teacher and a pastor in Jenner. I've got an evangelist in, in Emerson. I, I, I've got it all. I mean, Rowan, I've got, I've got it. I've got it. He's given it to me. And I get to start them off in a place that I never had a chance to start off. They are light years ahead of me. They're light years ahead of me because I decided eight years ago to just trust it all in Jesus Christ. And I started following him, and he lit up my life, and he gave me these beautiful babies. And let me tell you something. It's so beautiful because 
Just like whenever they look at me and they say, that's my father. I want to raise up a generation of people that whenever they look, whenever they look at you, generation, next generation, you kids that are five, six, seven, eight years old, listen to me. I wish you could hear me because there's going to come a time that if you'll consecrate your life to the Lord and you'll follow him and you won't bend to culture no matter what, there'll come a time where somebody will look at you and say, I need Jesus. And you'll say, and then you'll be able to look them in the eye with a surety and say, when you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. That's what I want to raise up. That's the next culture of people that are going to come up. I hope you can see that. Like, don't, don't you see, like, over these past hundreds of years, like, we've been learning, and now, now there's this identity that's gripping our culture, that you're not just a sinner saved by grace, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you're a partaker of the divine nature, you're sons of light, you move faster. That would explain how I got my degree in three years. I'm a son of light, I just move a little bit faster than everybody else in culture. I don't have time to sit around and talk about things that don't matter. I'm trying to create a place where the future can be better. I don't have time. My brother right here has taught me more about being a, 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 a person that wouldn't sacrifice my family on the altar of ministry. Let me tell you something. I will sacrifice myself on the altar of my family for the sake of the ministry. <laughs> I said I will sacrifice myself on the altar of my family for the sake of ministry. And that's it. That's all I want to tell you guys. I love you. Thank you so much for being my family. You're wonderful. I love you guys. I love you guys so much. Thank you. Happy Father's Day. Struggling this morning. Um, They told us we could do four minutes. All three of them went over six. (laughs) I was timing. And, uh, and pastor Tom, he, uh, he took my water and wouldn't give it back. So Buck is going to speak about persevering through the most incredible adversities in life, (laughs) which include a missing water bottle apparently. So here we go. Get ready. Father's. Broken people. Amen. All of us. You can pretend like you're not, but we are. And you find yourself be, becoming a father when uh, you're still trying to get over uh, what you did to your own self. And then suddenly now you're responsible for someone else and you're not sure how to do it. It certainly is that way for me. I've been telling my children uh, since they were little, there are things you're going to have to forgive me for. I don't know what they are, but I know there'll be things you'll have to forgive me for. That does not mean I'm not trying to fix stuff. It's just that there is a never-ending list of things to fix. When I think about what's got me from there to here, I'm reminded that I'm not the same guy I was when I started. And the kids aren't the same when they started. They start out believing that you can do no wrong and you know everything. And now Caroline's convinced I know nothing and can't do anything right. (laughs) That's the truth. (laughs) And Jonathan's in that in-between stage. Um... And so I take comfort in this. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to the death, to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. Here it is. So death works in us, but life in you. Death in me, life in my kids. Be a father is to stand there and die. To take the hit for them, 
They have no idea. All the cups of coffee and all the gas tanks and full of fuel, all the food, all the clothes, all the stuff being safe. The stress, the worry, the work that goes into that, that you shield them from, much less keeping them from sleeping over at the house of the people that you know. So from there to here, and now from here to there, my scripture for them is simply this. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24 and 25, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Here's the, here's the key to life. Death in me, life in them. Death in them, life in Christ. That's it. Four minutes, 14 seconds. Holy moly. That was good too. Oh, incredible words, amen? amen. I believe today is, a, is a, a divine appointment. I want all the men, that's an XY chromosome pattern, in case you're confused, <laughs> XY, okay? I want, uh, <laughs> XY chromosome pattern, if you're in this building, stand up. You can stand up for four minutes, right, Buck? Four minutes? Woo! Okay. All right. I want to give you, of course, Pastor Matt sometimes, uh, he's so busy. Uh, when they first told us we were going to do this, I went ahead and put my scripture on there, which was, which was 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. Well, I put that on there and said, hey, here's mine so we don't double up. So about 10 minutes ago, he came to me and said, hey, we got the same scripture. I said, Okay. He said, well, I'm going to talk about sons. And I said, well, that's great. I'm talking about fathers. Because as you see, we moved down this continuum here. Well, even Pastor Tom. From youngest to oldest. And I'm getting older, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor the seed begging for bread. And I want to tell you that God hasn't changed his mind about the church of Jesus Christ being the only hope of mankind. Now, I want to give you the backdrop of what Pastor Matt was sharing with you. We're talking about the Corinthian church. Say Corinthian church. Okay, Paul wrote these scriptures in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. But I want to give you the backdrop because the backdrop is what is the word for the church today. The word for every one of you X, Y chromosomes, which means you are a male, which means God wants you to be a man of God. Not a, not a spectator, not, not a church attender, but a man of God called and appointed for this time and this hour. Paul birthed the Corinthian church on his second missionary voyage, his second missionary journey. He birthed that church in Corinth. Now, we're sitting here whining about our culture, but I want to tell you something. The Corinthian culture was far worse than the culture you're facing out here. It's far worse. It was disgustingly sexual and perverted and disgusting. It was awful. Paul birthed that church, and a year later, the backdrop, the reason he wrote this later, a year later, he's on his third missionary journey, and he hears some stuff coming back. So he writes this letter, and he said, hey, chapter 3, I want to give you guys meat, but I have to give you milk because you're a bunch of babies. Now, let me, let me throw in the, 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 the parenthesis for America today. You got all the music, and you got all the sound, you got all the video, and you got, but you haven't grown up yet. You're not making a difference out there. There is a culture out there. It's not as bad as Corinth, but we should be affecting that culture out there. Chapter 5, he said, hey, there's sin among you. There's not even the Gentiles. Somebody's sleeping with their stepmother. You guys are going, hey, isn't this cool? Now, let me give you the heart of the matter. So in sandwiched right there in chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. I do not write these things to shame you as my beloved children, I warn you. Now, he gives you the answer. Right now, he's going to tell you the same thing he told the Corinthian church. The Holy Spirit speaking is to you and you and you and you and you and you. 
You hear a passion? It's a 20-year passion of trying to get men to stand up and be spiritual fathers in the household of faith because that's the answer, the one answer to the church today. I pray and I, I beg God that you're, you're going to be a father in your home and you're going to be gentle and loving and to your wife and your children. But then you got, you got another step. That's step one. Step two is you step into your ministry and your calling in the local church. Because the same word that Paul spoke to the Corinthian church 2,000 years ago is the word to the church in America today. There's one answer. Hey, one answer. One answer. Say one answer. Hold up one finger. Come on. I'm watching y'all. Come on, we, this is about community. This is about being in unity. This is about shaking the gates of hell. There's one answer, and he gives it right here. For though you've had 10,000 instructors in Christ, you don't have many fathers. The answer for the church today is spiritual fathers in the household of faith. Every one of you is called to be a spiritual father or a spiritual son. I thank God. These men up here, these are like, you put, you put super grow on them. The reason they had super grow on them because they had men speaking into their lives. Men, men calling out the kingdom. Men correcting them. Men encouraging them. Men involved in them. Walking with them. Helping them to grow and develop. Every single man in this church is called to be a spiritual father or a spiritual son. You want to shake the gates of hell? I do. I was, oh, I'm older. But I've never seen the righteous. I'm older, but I want to see the glory of God fill this church and that we can get out there and we can change that culture. I'm tired of being affected and infected by the culture out there. I'm tired of 2% of our culture changing the entire landscape of America and 150 million people claiming Christianity and we're not making a dent. There's one answer. One answer, Drew. And you're one of them. You're a spiritual father, brother. I'm so proud of you. And you've been a spiritual son to me. And I love you. You are amazing. I love these guys. I've had the opportunity to speak into his life and his life for years. Because that's the answer to the church today, y'all. It is the only single answer. Come on, men. Step up. Suck it up. Bow your neck. Let's get this thing done for the kingdom of God to bring the glory from heaven down to this earth. The kingdom will come when men step up and become spiritual fathers in the household of faith. I thank God for Bo Peoples, Howard Long, uh, J.W. Conger, Dr. Jack Buskey, Dr. Amor Shab, who spoke into my life. You want to get on Miracle Grove, tell me all, make sure you have a spiritual father, someone Howard. speaking into your life. Okay, that's all I got to say. Love y'all. <laughs> oh, yeah. Every father, if you would, please just go ahead and step out from where you are. Make your way down here, please. Matter of fact, every, every man in this place, come down here if you would, please. Every young man in this place, come down here. While you're coming, there's... Uh, Amanda, you weren't sent this, but if you could find the very next verse... After Pastor Steve and Pastor Matt's shared passage, that's verse 16. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. I think this is the right verse. We'll see. Uh, it's the one that says, for this reason, the beloved of the child, I, I, may, I may have missed it. Oh, no, I know what it was. I know what happened. It was the passage of Scripture um, that Pastor Buck made reference to, 2 Corinthians 4. I told you 1 Corinthians. I think it's 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17. And, and, it, and it speaks um, to something. I, I think I told you wrong. Forgive me. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17. I'll admit today I've, I've had days when my mind is more engaged. Uh, maybe I've given you the Keep going. It should have the word encourage or exhort you uh, for the momentary life. Okay, I've absolutely lost my mind then. I hate it when the Holy Spirit brings a passage of Scripture to mind, and then he forgets where it is. <laughs> the Scripture I'm looking for is in one of these passages. <laughs> like I said, it's been a week. Give me a break. Where it says, to exhort. To exhort. And that word means to call forth that which was in. It's parakaleo. So I can't encourage you as fathers enough. But today I want to share with you a quick passage of Scripture, and I'm going to be more forthright and forceful in what I'm going to share. 
Each of you hold, um, uh, Pastoria, there's a, on that table, there's my little, I think my little thing of, um, oh, never mind, I got one right here. Corey has an extra one, okay? What's in this is a little vial of oil. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Let me jump to this scripture real quick. It'll be the most, probably most in-your-face message to men that perhaps I've ever shared. And I want to tell you another thing. Uh, for years here, we would have a monthly meeting with men, and then for whatever, we moved here, it was a little harder to drive, and, and the attendance for the monthly meetings stopped. In September, we're going to start them again. And every month, month I'm going to wear you out, I'm going to lean on you, I'm going to guilt you, push you, shove you, entice you to come to that once a month meeting where we as men can get together and pray for fathers, for brothers, for young men who are yet to be fathers. You got that? So is that fair notice? So if I, you know, I'm going to do it by email, text message, um, Pony Express, and if all else fails, I'm sending Pastor Steve to your front door. Then you know you're in trouble, okay? Listen, this is, this is a chapter in the Bible. It's eight verses long. Isaiah chapter 39. Parallel passage is found in 2 Kings chapter 20. Let's look at this. Um, Isaiah chapter 39. We're gonna, I'm going to read quickly all eight verses so you can see these. We'll wait for it. It got back there late. Has it crashed on us? Okay. There we go. Now, this picks up mid-story. Key, key character in this is King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah has just been given extra years to live. He was deathly ill in the previous chapter. Now he's been given more time to live. What's he going to do with that time? At this time, uh, Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, by the way, that means son of Bel, which was an idol god. So we have those coming in that are committed to the worship of culture. Culture invents idols. God's, God's not an invention of culture. God, Jehovah God, is God. Every other thing we worship is an invention of culture or our own mind. So you got you to set that. It says the, the king of Baladon sent letters uh, and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that he had been sick and, and had recovered. Let's keep going. Hezekiah was pleased and showed them all the treasure, uh, all his treasure house, the silver, the gold, and the spices, precious oil, his whole armory, and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in this house. By the way, that pr precious oil had that unique combination, three pieces for anointing. That's what the precious oil was for. It was to designate things set aside unto God, whether prophet, priest, uh, king, or things, articles of the tabernacle. There was nothing in his house, everybody say in his house, nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. He let them into the secret things, to the precious things. He let this voice of culture that worshiped idol gods in and have access to those things that were most sacred. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, what do these men say? From where have they come? And Hezekiah said, they have come from a far country, from Babylon. He said, what have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, they've seen all that's in my house. There's nothing among my treasuries that I have not shown them. He said, what have you done? Uh, then he said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Here he goes. Behold, days are coming when all that is in your house and all that your fathers have laid up in store to this day will be carried to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Some of your sons will issue, uh, who will issue from you, whom you will beget, will be taken away, and they will become officials in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. Does anybody here besides me not see anything that's good there? Okay. He said, it's good, for he thought, here's what he said and what he thought. The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good, for he thought, there will be peace and truth in my days. Anybody hear that? There is sacred stuff, gentlemen. And right now, 
culture is pushing in to redefine your faith and your values more than it ever has. Please hear me. There has been persecution through the years. I mean, when you go back for 2,000 years, you see lots of persecution. Say, we're not being burned at the stake. I get that. I understand that. I'm studying that right now more than ever. But there's never been a moment in 2,000 years of Christian history where they're stepping up and saying, now, we're going to tell you what you can preach. Forgive me, I'm not being political. I'm not being political. I'm talking about culture. But this past week, the current administration in Washington signed a bill outlawing conversion therapy, what they call conversion therapy. We are a church that stands and believe God's creative intent was expressed to you uniquely. You're not an accident. We believe he created male and female on purpose. You've heard me talk about that at length. And when people come in, there are testimonies sitting in this place. I should have brought an email I got just four or five, uh, uh, four or five weeks ago from a precious sister in our congregation. And she said, for years, I have been involved in same-sex relationships. But she said, and went on to say, and I'm going to paraphrase, hearing the heart of the Father, hearing the Word of God, Week after week, being told that I'm loved right where I am, I found that I was walking in deception. I found that I was so unhappy with the way that I was and the abuse that happened at the hands of men that I had departed and, and I had embraced a deceptive identity about who I was and that I was this cosmic mistake. It says, but week after week, the love of God the Father in this place began to assuage my soul Walk me out of deception into a place where I know who I am and I'm not a mistake. I'm not a mistake. I want to say something to you. Right now, you can make cowardly concessions with culture if you want. You can. But men need to stand up. Please hear me. Please hear me. If we make those concessions... We will raise children who become prisoners of a godless culture, executing their command and will. They will become servants in the king of culture, in the, in, in the palace. We need men who will draw a line in the sand. If you're so busy satisfying your own sense of identity and ascension in succeeding in your job and in the marketplace that you don't have time to pray with your children, you're handing them to culture. If they don't see you reading your Bible, your sacred stuff, or if you let the demands of culture come in and displace the sacred stuff, praying, reading God's word, spending time where your children, and I realize you don't, many of you like me don't have children at home. You have grandchildren and your children are gone. Reclaim and recover that thing. You say, well, that's just not me. I, 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 I can't pray. Man up. If you say, I, I don't know how to pray, there's a brother right here. All of them on the stage. There's brothers here. Have the courage to call a brother alongside and say, you know what? Uh, that, that, that sermon, this teaching on Father's Day, it's just pushed me. I've never really felt comfortable praying out loud because of what Pastor Buck, I could pick what each of these guys said. I feel like a failure. I feel like I'm broken. We all are. Don't wait until you think you're fixed to pray out loud and pray with your children. Pray with your wife. Draw a line in the sand. Step up now. In this little package is a vial of anointing oil. Did you know that scripture says that we are the anointed in whom the anointing abides? I'm going to lean on you. And if you say any of what I'm telling you, you say I'm not comfortable in doing it, that's fine. Call me. Call me. I or other brothers will come and help you. I want you to take this home. You can walk quietly by yourself. You don't have to take your whole family. I want you to start with this. I want you to go to the four corners of the properties you live in. I want you to take that, 
find some bush, rock, something that marks the boundary. That word boundary is all through the book of Joshua. When he gave me, it says, and, it mean, and it's a word that means intercession. It's an amazing term, but it means to set boundaries. Go home and set boundaries. Walk to the corner of your property. Your neighbors don't need to see you having a Pentecostal fit in the front yard. You don't have to do that. You don't have to shout, dance. Some of you will, I'm sure. So that's great. You can just walk around there as a man of purpose and just find something to mark a boundary. See, this oil isn't magic. But what is magic, if you will, and I'm not, I don't like that word, is you. You walk to the corner and you just whisper and say, hell's not welcome here. This is the property. This is the ground of children of the most high God. And this father of my household, I mark this territory as sacred unto God. As father of this household, I marked the cornage and said, you're not welcome here. Deception can't enter. Lying can't enter. It can't have a place here. Health will exist here. Then walk to the doors, every one of them. Reach up over the top of them, anoint them to say, Father, as my children, as my spouse, as my grandchildren pass through the portals of this place, may they know this place has been set aside for you. Whatever years I might have missed, Father, you said that you would restore that which with the worm has eaten over years. Restore it, Father. I'm sorry I missed that, but I want to pick up right here, right now. Mark my life. Mark my children. Mark my grandchildren. Go ahead and be weird. Next time the grandkids come over. Just walk over to your kids. They're going to know it's coming, especially if they're around New Hope. Say, I want to pray for you. Now, see, you, that right now you're saying, well, that's not my thing. It better be your thing. It better be your thing. I'm not diminishing the prayers of your wife at all. Great. But you need to step up, even if it's, uh, Lord, uh, bless them in Jesus' name. When you pray that little prayer with tears in your eyes, pray your prayers. Say them. Pray over your grandchildren. Mark the territory. Mark it. You are the anointed of the Lord. You are anointed to anoint. Turn to your brother next to you and say, you're anointed to anoint. God said so. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.